Uh, I just want to thank the congregation for having us out here. Uh, Lish and I are always happy to come out to, to Carmen. It was, it was nice this morning just to get out of the city and um, have a drive through the countryside and see the crops coming up. It's a beautiful time of year, isn't it? Um, so much life. And it got me thinking about the crops that are coming up, the decisions that farmers have had to make leading up to this time of year about which crops to plant. You know, there's a lot that goes into that, uh, thinking about, you know, the markets, how they're doing, uh, what you planted last year, what kind of inputs you want to put in. Uh, there's so many things to consider in making those decisions. And, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about decision-making as well. Um, when it comes to farming, I think you quite often don't know if you made the right decision until everything's in the bin and you've sold it at the end of the year. But thankfully, with... With God's word, we have a little bit more clarity than that. We, we can kind of know uh, for most decisions if we're making the right one or the wrong one to begin with, uh, if, we, if we can study God's word. And so, you know, a- along with that, though, there is, there is a certain element of, of responsibility that God has given each of us to consider uh, the pros and cons of, of our decision-making and, and making the right choice based on his word. And, that's what I want to talk about this morning. You know, it's something that we face on a daily basis is, is this thing called decision-making. And, you know, we make small decisions, anything from what we're going to eat for breakfast all the way up to who we're going to marry and where we're going to work and big things like this. And what I want to focus on this morning, though, is, is the spiritual aspect of our decision-making and, and how our decisions affect uh, our spiritual lives. So I want to get us thinking about how we make decisions and encourage a focus on the spiritual implications of those decisions that we make. You know, I think, I think we're really good at considering the financial and the emotional and the career implications of the decisions we make. We, we often put a lot of thought into that. Uh, but what does the Bible say about decision-making and what should our priorities be when we're doing that? Uh, in order to help us with that this morning, I want to have a look at four different examples from the Word. Um, I hope that uh, we can analyze them, uh, these examples, and, and the decisions that the people made, and, and try to draw from that and, and learn from their, uh, their decision-making uh, choices. And at the end of the, the time this morning, I, I hope that we'll be challenged to consider our lives and how we can do a better job of making decisions uh, and moving God to the top of our priority list in, in our decision-making. I've kind of noticed uh, a little bit thinking about this, that decisions that we make or decisions that, that people make in general often come from a person's priorities. You know, you'll often make decisions based on what your priority is in, in a given situation. And so I was thinking, you know, what does the world say about this, uh, about, about priorities? And some of the things that I, that I thought of, you know, I think everybody's probably heard this saying before, the one with the most toys wins. Um, if this is your priority, if this is how you base your, your decisions, then it becomes pretty easy, actually. All you have to do is, is get the most stuff you can possibly get. So you just make every decision in your life based on whether or not you'll, you'll be able to get more stuff. Uh, another one is the one with the corner office wins. So, 
you know, if that's your priority in your decision making, you're going to do everything you can to get the best, most high paying job that you can find. Um, the one with the biggest bank account wins is another common one that you see creep up. So if that's your priority, again, your decision making becomes quite simple. You just have to do everything you can to get the most money. Uh, and, and another one yet is, you know, the one with the most friends wins. Uh, become popular, do everything you can, no matter what it takes to get more friends. These are some of the the examples that we see around us. Uh, and I, I think, you know, we can see from this that if if money and stuff and social status, if, if these things are our priorities, it's going to drive the decisions we make in our lives. But what does the Bible have to say about this? Um, what, what kind of priorities should we have in our decision making? And that's what I want to explore this morning. And, and starting, uh, you know, just before the reading that Corey brought to us, uh, I really like this, these couple of verses here because I think it really hits on, hits on what we're trying to get to this morning. And it says in Matthew six nineteen to 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, what are uh, my priorities? What are your priorities? Uh, thankfully, the Bible teaches us that there is more to life than stuff and money. I hope, uh, I hope we can see this morning that I'm not saying that it's wrong to have nice things, but... If stuff and social status and, and things become our, our, the driver for our decision-making, then we're not going to be able to make spiritually focused decisions, the, the kind that God wants us to make. So I mentioned that we'd be looking through four examples. Uh, the first one I wanted to look at is, is from the Garden of Eden. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Eve and the serpent and and her decision based on her conversation with the, with the serpent. So I'll be reading from uh, Genesis 3, 1 to 6. I'm going to try to have all the verses up here, but if you want to follow along, uh, we'll be reading from Genesis 3, 1 to 6. And here it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the, the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So we see here uh, an example of, of a decision that had to be made. Eve, Eve had a decision to make. On one hand, you know, she knew that God wanted her to, to not eat from that tree. But on the other hand, I mean, she could come up with just this list of reasons why it was such a good idea to eat from that tree. You know, I really like this account, and I'm, I'm so grateful that we see in, in the scripture here uh, the thought process that Adam and Eve had in their minds. We get to see into their mind and, and understand why they made this choice. Uh, we can see from reading the, the word that 
their thought process was physical and worldly. They were focused on what was in front of them in the physical and worldly sense. Uh, you know, we see here back in verse 6 that Eve said, or Eve surmised that it was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. She had three reasons that she went ahead with it, and they were all physical and worldly. She didn't take the time to consider the spiritual implications of what she was doing. It wasn't even on her radar. So no, she and Adam both knew that what they were going to do was wrong because they knew that God said not to eat from that tree, but so then why did they do it? Well, I think the answer is that they just didn't put enough priority on the spiritual implications. They weren't focused on the spiritual side of that decision. They were focused on the worldly and the physical. So how about us? Do we think this way? I think we can all be guilty of this same thing. Uh, we, can, we can put too much emphasis on, on what we do here today and not think about the spiritual things. Uh, I think, I think we come up with a lot of excuses that are kind of similar. This is a, an important one that, that comes up all the time. You know, I can compromise just this one time. You know, this is going to be so good for my career. If I just make a compromise here and move forward, I'll get back on track. I can do this. Uh, this is one that pertains to me quite a lot. You know, I want to make more time for God in my life, but you know what, I'm just so busy right now. Maybe more in the maybe more in the future I can I can give to him, but right now I just need to make time for myself. Here's another one. You know I know it's I know it's wrong what I'm doing, but ah uh, you know what it's just so hard to change. I've been doing it this way for so long. What will people think? And it's another excuse, just like Adam and Eve. So they knew that. They were making a poor spiritual decision, but they did it anyway, and then there was consequences, and they had to suffer those consequences. And it got me thinking, you know, how could they change their mindset so that they had a better focus on the spiritual? And, and some of the things I was thinking about was, you know, how about if they thought how this would affect their relationship with God instead of how they could benefit in their own lives? Or maybe they, they should have focused more on you know, every other tree in the garden that they could eat from. It was just the one tree. I mean, they could eat anywhere else. Uh, but they were focused on what they didn't have instead of what they did have. What if they had put a priority on God's instructions, the, the clear instructions that he had given them, instead of just the lies that the devil was spinning? And how about us? Like, are we listening to God? If we are only focused on the worldly benefits of, of every decision that we make, it's going to be very hard to see the pitfalls, the spiritual pitfalls that are all around us that come along with disobeying God. If Adam and Eve had been able to put a little bit more focus on the spiritual aspects of that decision, it, it probably would have been easy to see the pitfalls, but they didn't because they were focused on the worldly side of it and not the spiritual side. So the next, um, the next example that I wanted to look at is, is from Joseph. Um, and, and when he is uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 39. If you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading from verses 1 to 10. So this is the time when Joseph is in Egypt. It says here in, in Genesis 39, starting in verse 1, that 
now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him, sorry, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted everything to his care and everything he owned. From the time he was put in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed that household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on Potiphar, on everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of him and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. So he, uh, here we see uh, another decision, just like, just like Eve had in the garden. Joseph here had another decision. And, and I mean, he was a man. He could have slept with Potiphar's wife. He was tempted to do that, no doubt. But the difference, I think, between the example we looked at with Eve and here with Joseph is, is that in verse 10, it answers that, that he wouldn't even go near her because he wanted to avoid the sin of adultery so much. You know, Joseph was focused on the spiritual aspects of that decision and not the worldly aspects. He did not want to sin against God. It got me thinking about uh, this verse from 1 John chapter 2. And I think it really touches on Joseph's attitude here. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. If Joseph has been focused on the world, he would have succumbed to that temptation, no doubt. But he was instead focused on doing the right thing, which was the will of God. So do we have the same focus when we are faced with a tough decision? I think it's easy to sit here this morning and, and say, yeah, you know, I'm focused. I got it. No problem. We're, we're surrounded by other Christians here. Sin isn't such a big deal. It's not, it's not such a tempting environment. But when we leave here this morning and we go back out into the world, we're going to have to face those tough kinds of decisions. Um, I'm a fan of country music. Um, or I should qualify that. I'm a fan of the older country music. I don't really like the newer stuff. Um, in my opinion, it's kind of lost its, its touch with reality a bit. But, uh, and I guess also when I say older, I, as a 30-year-old, it's not probably that much older to some of you. But from the 80s and 90s, I really like that, that genre, that, that time frame. 
Um, I, there's a song by a singer named Aaron Tippin that I really like, and in there, there's a line that says, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You know, and I think those words are quite true. And I think Joseph uh, had in mind that kind of thought process when, when he was going through this. You know, he made up his mind not to compromise. He stuck to his guns, and it got him through this tough time. And I think in the same way, you know, like I, I touched on, when we leave this building, we got to stick to our guns too. We need to make up our minds now to do the will of God so that when Satan's uh, darts are hurled at us, that we'll be able to, to stay the course. So skipping into the New Testament now, we're going to look at our third example, which comes from Judas. I want to read a couple of um, sections of Scripture. I think it will give us a better understanding of, of Judas and, and his thought process in this decision. I'm going to read uh, one account from John's Gospel and another from Luke's. And I think we'll see here that um, we can learn a lot from this example as well. So the first one will come from John 12, verses 3 to 6. And then I'll be leading, uh, reading from Luke 22 after that. So John 12, 3 to 6, 6 says that Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And one of, Judas, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth about a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. And then going over to Luke 22 now, we'll read from verses 1 to 6. It says here, Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief's priests and the teachers of the law were looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. For they were afraid of the people. And then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the, and the officers of the temple and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. I think these passage, passages show Judas, Judas' motives in, in uh, John's Gospel, and we see his actions flowing through those motives in Luke's Gospel, kind of going back to the priorities driven, uh, driving our decision-making. You know, we see that Judas was the treasurer among the apostles, and he was in charge of the money, and Mary took a whole bunch of expensive perfume and poured it all over Judah, uh, Jesus' feet. And, and then Judas' greed kicked in. It took over. You know, he saw, that, he saw that perfume as a waste of money. He would have preferred to see that money go into the money bag so that he could steal it for himself and his own use. And then we see from John's account that things were not going his way, so he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he betrayed Jesus in exchange for 30 silver coins. He got 30 silver coins for betraying our Lord. That was a bad decision. And, you know, Judas, we see that he made his decision based on his own selfish desires instead of a desire to serve the Lord. 
It got me thinking of this, this verse from Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It says, um, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You know, what does this verse have to do with what we're talking about? Well, I think it, I think it has a lot to do, it, do with it. I think to sum it up, in, unless we do things God's way, our efforts are useless. They're wasted. Judas was obsessed with money. And he wanted to get as much as he could. And, and this got in the way of who he needed to be as one of Jesus' followers. And in the same way, you know, I think our, our decisions matter. God wants our decisions and the rest of our lives to be uh, spiritually focused. Many times, you know, and I'm guilty of this, our, our focus is, is on getting what we want first and then doing something for God with what's left over. But that can't be the way. We see from Judas that it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. Jesus must be the focus in all of our choices. And speaking of, of Jesus, uh, this brings us to our last example. And I think we, we often see that Jesus is the master teacher. And in this case, it's no different. Um, I want to I read uh, the account from Luke after um, Jesus was baptized and went into the desert to be tempted by Satan. We see some decisions that he had to make there. Uh, and Luke 4, verses 5 to 8, here's, here's what we'll pick up. Uh, with a temptation in the desert. It says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Do not worship, uh, sorry, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So put yourself in Jesus' sandals here. I mean, there was no earthly reason. From an earthly standpoint, his decision made no sense whatsoever. I mean, he had the opportunity here of a lifetime. All the authority and splendor in the world, all the kingdoms in the world would be his. I mean, Jesus, what are you thinking? I mean, take him, take him up on the offer. This is amazing. Any worldly wisdom would say, you know, go for it. But as we can see with Joseph already... You know, Jesus wasn't focused on that side of it. He wasn't seeing the physical, the worldly. He was focused on the spiritual. Uh, and he, that's why his decision you know, didn't make any sense from an earthly standpoint. That's because he wasn't focused on his decision from an earthly standpoint. He was focused on it from a spiritual standpoint, from a standpoint of how will this affect my relationship with God. I think at this point it's important as well to point out that the devil is a liar. Um, we see him in the Garden of Eden with Eve in our first example using deception. In, in Genesis 3-5 like we read earlier, he says that God knows that when you eat from, eat from the tree your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. But this is a lie. And then in, in Luke 4 or 6, what we just read, he, 
He says again that I, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. But that's just a lie again. And you know what? The lies that he told to Eve are the same lies that he told to Jesus. And it's the same thing that he's still doing today with us. We hear these lies all the time. Maybe we don't hear these exact words, but there's lots of lies going around that, that are always bouncing around in our heads, and he's trying to get us to ex- accept them. How about this one? Put yourself first and look out for number one. I think we've heard that before. How about this? Do whatever makes you happy. You know what? Uh, there's lots of ways to, to go about life. Just pick the one that makes you the most happy. And, and that'll be fine. It's okay to compromise on doing what you know is right or, or doing the truth. I mean, don't worry about the people around you. Don't worry about following what you know is right. Just go ahead and make your own decisions. Or how about this one? Everyone else is doing it. You know, it must be okay if everybody's doing it. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to really care. Just go ahead and, and do whatever you want. So are we going to, and there's many other lies like this too, but are we going to follow them? Or are we going to make our decision today to follow God instead? I think there's a, a powerful example of this in, in the Old Testament from the book of Joshua. And we often, uh, we often quote these verses. They're really good. Um, but I want to read a little bit more from that Joshua 24 account than we normally read to get, to get the context a bit. So I'll read from Joshua 24, verses 14 to 18. And here it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose today yourselves who you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. You know, this is a great attitude. You know, the Israelites weren't always perfect, but they sure said this right. Uh, and I think Jesus had that same attitude as well. He, was, he had that attitude of, of, I'm going to serve God no matter what. He made up his mind to honor God with his decisions, and so should we. You know, I hope we can all have that attitude of, of the Israelites when they said, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Our decisions, as we talked about this morning, reflect who we serve. And as Christians, we want our decisions to reflect the character and the commands of our God. So what have we learned this morning? Well, I hope you haven't learned this this morning. Um, I, I can't believe this thing. I've, I've seen this before. You know, he who dies with the most toys wins. I've seen it around uh, Winnipeg on a few vehicles and things, and I'm just amazed by it. Uh, 
but that flies in the face of what we're talking about this morning. I hope, I hope our focus could be on, on Matthew 6.33. Uh, I think it really sums up everything that we've talked about. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. If you remember nothing else from this morning, please just remember Matthew 6.33, because I think it really sums up what the point is of the sermon. Um, as we said earlier, you know, we so often consider the financial, the, the career, the emotional, the family implications of our decisions. But I think we can all do a better job of focusing on how our decisions impact our spiritual health. We make so many decisions in our lives. You know, who am I going to spend my time with? Where am I going to work? Where am I going to live? What types of, or sorry, what type of person are you going to marry? How will I raise my family? What kinds of media, what kind of music and, and videos and movies are you going to watch? What kind of hobbies are you going to get into? What kind of habits will I allow myself to form? Many of these decisions, some of them seem big, some of them seem small, small but I would argue that they all can have a life-altering impact on our spiritual health, an enormous impact on how we live our lives. But how much spiritually focused thought are we giving them? Are we thinking just about money? Are we thinking just about our jobs? About how it's going to affect our friendships? Or are we thinking bigger than that? Are we thinking about our relationship and our walk with God when we make these decisions? Do we seek out a, a particular spouse just because they treat us really well? Or do we choose a person that brings us closer to God? and is a godly example to us? Do we give any thought to our hobbies and our habits? Are they drawing us away from God, or are they drawing us closer to Him? Or how about where we work? Do we, we choose a place that forces us into questionable situations where, where we're made to do things that we know are not right, or, or do we choose a profession where we can use our God-given talents to glorify Him and, and serve those around us? You know, I hope that we see that the, the purpose of this talk this morning isn't to paralyze us with fear. And we need to live our lives. We need to make decisions and be productive. So, you know, make some friends, start up some hobbies, raise a family if you want, but do your best to make the choice in all these situations that will honor God and be best for your spiritual health. And I would say especially if it costs you something, it's worth the cost. So I hope we've uncovered, um, I, hope we've, I hope we've touched on a few things that, that really um, help us this morning with this. We need to take time to consider how our decisions impact our relationship with God and make that our first priority. He needs to come first in our decision making so that we can be good spiritual decision makers. You know, I, I think we often will say, you know, we see all these options before us, and, and the question is sometimes, how will I choose? I have so many options, but I hope what we can see from this morning is really that the question should be not, how will I choose, but who will I choose? Because I think that really gets us going on the right track. And, and again, back to the, the passage that I'd like to drive home, Matthew 6.33, I think the answer lies in there for us. We're going to end with a song this morning. Uh, called I Am Resolved. 
and I really like this song. I, I think the, the words are, are, from the first verse, really touch on the topic that we are talking about here. It says, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have alerted my sight. You know, um, if you're here this morning and, and you aren't a Christian yet, I would encourage you to, to think about that deeply. Uh, speaking of decisions, this is, is, is the biggest decision that you can make in your life. And, and it, is, it is the biggest because it not only affects you know, how things will go in this life, but more importantly, how it will go in the next life. If you're ready or interested in learning more about putting God first and making that decision, please come see me or one of the elders after we're finished here today. And maybe as a Christian, you're having some struggles with decision-making in your life. Who isn't struggling with this? Uh, if you need somebody to talk to about that or, or to, pray to pray with about that, please just come see me. I'd be happy to do that with you.